and preach to us. Thank God. No, sir, not today. The cordless tore up on us during conference. Oh, Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And better than any hospital in the world, Brother Bass. And uh, I can only totally agree with what Brother Bass has already stated here. I am thankful for our friendship. And... Uh, fact, if anything happens to me, he's going to have two churches to pastor. <laughs> have to have a private jet, I guess. And I appreciate his family and uh, our family being close to his family. Because we need one another. I was thinking as I was standing here, I also want to mention... Brother, no, I already forgot the name. Dykes. You get it? Yes. Right. Yes. I uh, mentioned during the meeting the reaction to my wife of him to the Word of God. That speaks volumes to me. And, brother, don't ever lose that brokenness. Don't ever lose that brokenness. You'll affect more people through brokenness than anything else. All right. Yes, yes. Joseph cried until the weeping was heard into Egypt. He didn't cry because he was weak. He didn't cry when they threw him in the pit. He didn't cry when they sold him to the Midianites. He didn't cry when they put him in jail, and he didn't cry when they didn't remember him to Pharaoh. But when he restored a relationship and got a revelation of God, he wept before God. Right, right. And there's nothing that moves people anymore than for you to have a broken spirit inside. That's right. <clears throat> and I, I, I concur with what he said today. I guess I have a hang-up when... I shouldn't say this, but my wife says, Daddy, that preacher has a superintendent's face. You forgive me for saying that, okay? I'm not after any organization. just has a superintendent's face. Saw some Pentecostal folks in, uh, in uh, Pigeon Fords and met them in a restaurant and knew they were Pentecost. And my wife said, Daddy, he's got a superintendent's face. And when we introduced ourselves, we found it was painfully true. <laughs> and you know, folks, preachers will stand sometimes on the platform, the glory will be all over the place. And then when they come up, they say, Come on, praise God! And I'm saying, My God, what was you doing a few minutes ago? Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. I have a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering if it's not do it because I'm here. I love him because he's good to me. I praise him for what he's done. But I worship him for who he is. And if you do not have a revelation of who he is, you've got a problem with your worship. That's right. I, I see some uh, shepherds on a hillside, and and they were just, I don't know, they were relaxing or what they were doing, but all of a sudden, something come out of the heavens and said, Hey, over yonder, there's a Savior that's born. And they woke up and said, Wow, we better go see who He is. And so they went down into the little town where He was born and found Him in a manger. And he hadn't healed a blind eye. Lame hadn't walked yet. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't opened any ears to hear. All they had was a revelation of who he was. And they fell down on their knees and worshipped him. Not because of what he did, but because of who he was. Hallelujah. 
And the disciples was in the ship, and they saw him coming, and they said, Oh, my, 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 my. And all of a sudden, he said, um, uh, this is and and this is uh, that that's him and Peter said well bid me come well that's another that's another but anyway and he got in the ship and immediately right. immediately the storm ceased right. and that's the first time you find the disciples collectively praising him all right all right. And unless you realize He's your Savior, you will never collectively worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you realize who He really is, He don't have to heal you. He don't have to answer your needs. You're saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Anybody can praise Him. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But when I come to worship Him, I give Him everything I have. That is when it becomes intimate. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus have mercy. Hallelujah. You do know that God operates in His glory. Before He made the earth, He made the heavens. So that He can have somebody giving Him glory. And He said, if you'll give me glory, I can say, let there be. Hallelujah. And if we can create the right glory and atmosphere, He begins to operate within the glory that is there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, see, I didn't bring no notes. I got a few things. On. I got my, my messages on here, but it's so hard to see on this little deal. But um, I was singing today, and I'm, no, I'm just kind of rambling. But uh, uh, I appreciate the conference and, and what I heard. And there was absolutely... You, you would have to be carnal to pick a flaw yep. in anything that was be preached there. If you have a problem with it, you have a major problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I want to be, I thought as Brother Bass mentioned, I, I constantly in a world of turmoil need balance. And uh, the reason why I, I cherish friends, uh, because... I personally am close to the problems in my church. And there's times when I need balance. I'm just bearing my heart to you just for a moment, okay? And in needing balance, I take the situation personal. And I cannot look at it the way I need to look at it sometimes. And I need somebody to dial and say, look, I'm in this situation. Can you, from a distance, not being personally involved, help me? And I am telling you, I am a product and have a church that's a product of input from other areas, other ministries, other preachers. Not only the preaching they give, and that's fantastic and powerful, but also the advice that they have given me to keep me from maybe leaning in a wrong direction. Hallelujah. And so, uh, I want to be a man to whom a man can talk to. All right. yeah. Now, that was Bible. Yeah. Rabbi Bass could probably tell me where it was. But anyway, the Bible says that uh, David was... And then I, I will take a text probably in a few moments. But David... He was out there and he took a bunch of these rejects and in debt and all these guys in the cave of Adullam and, and uh, he changed them all around made them made them uh, security guards yeah. and 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 Nabal, Nabal was it had sheep and and uh, I mean to tell you they never had to worry about a thief yeah. they never had to worry about if they, if they laid a shovel down they had the shovel the next day right. they said we didn't have to worry about anything as long as these men was around here yeah. and it came sheep shearing time and uh, they were hungry and needed a little something to eat. And he thought, well, it wouldn't hurt to expect somebody you done a favor to to kind of bless you a little bit. So he went down and Nabal, cocky and arrogant, said, well, who is this guy run away from his master? Yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh, and David's men come back and told David all about it, and David got upset. And the servants went to Abigail and said, Abigail said, uh, uh, you know what? Said, man, I'm scared of what's going to happen. Said David's men, he said, they came here for a little, little food, little vittles, and, and, uh, your husband kind of, you know, he kind of treated them mean and sent them, I'm just using my own language. And the servant repeated, and this is almost for word what he said. He said, you know Nabal is a man to whom a man cannot speak. Now that'll preach. That's a whole message. You can take that one and run with it, brother. You're in a mess when you're a man that a man can't talk to. You're in a mess if you're a man that a man can't talk to. My salvation, my ministry, my success, if I have any, has been that a man could talk to me. Talk to me, man. Talk to me. Don't leave me go my direction. My Lord. And it doesn't have to be your closest friends. God can send you a man in your life at an emergency situation that'll keep you from going in the wrong direction. Please, God, send me a man to talk to me. Hallelujah. It could be a it could be it could be a Melchizedek. It can be a donkey. It can be whatever. But most of the time he chooses a man to say, hey, 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 hey. Nathan, I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I, I tell you what I gotta do. He said, I, I tell you what I gotta do. He said, he said, I, I gotta have you go talk to David and tell him a little story. And he said, don't you know that David can kill me? Don't you know that if I tell him about this one ewe lamb, don't you know that he'll be in a mess and I'll be in a mess and he could snap my head off? And Nathan didn't say that. He said, no, I know David. He's a man that a man can talk to. He's a man that a man can talk to. He don't have to have any degrees. He doesn't have to have a bolt from heaven. He doesn't have to have a great, fantastic reach out. It's just, just, just come talk to me. Talk to me. Lay it down there where I can listen to it. Let me receive it. I want to tell you something. If I get in a mess, I want to be a man that a man can come to it and say you're going in the wrong direction. You've got to be saved. Hallelujah. 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 Abigail says, we got to do something about this. Wise woman. So we got to do something about this. Pack some Pack it all up and get it bread and cheese and put it all in there. Put it all in there. Pack it all in. Because i got to go see if I can find him. And she meets him. And she says, I'm not a man. just a handmaid. That's all I am. Could you... You couldn't hear... I know it should be a man talking to you, Dave. And I know you're anointed king. And I know there's direction in your life. And all I am is a handmaiden. But if you listen to this little handmaiden, I believe I can stop you from making a big mistake. And David said it doesn't have to be a man as long as it's somebody that's got a message for me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I don't need a bolt from heaven. I don't need a great revelation. I don't need the thunder to shake. I just need to hear the voice of a man that can reach me. Hallelujah to God. 
That's not even my subject today. Dear Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't want to be a soul that nobody can talk to. I don't want to be a soul that nobody can talk to. I want to be a David that somebody can talk to. He's a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. In fact, can you give me just a minute? I'd like to go to my notes on that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel so strongly about it. I'm going to just erase what I got here. Yeah, just take me a minute. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There is a, there is something about the attributes of a godly man. I read four or five things last night, and, and I don't know why this is. Ah, there it is. It's very clearly understood that David was a man after God's own heart. He's a man that God set aside for the anointing, had left Saul. And uh, I want to have that quality down inside of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are certain things we have to have in order if we're going to be effectively working for God and doing what God wants us to do. I do want to tell you that we're not here for no reason at all. We are here for a purpose. Ephesians 1 and 5, brother, if you can get it for me. We are here for a purpose. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're not here listening to this conference. We're not here participating in what we're participating in. Every one of us have a purpose. We're not here just to have church and clap our hands and sing. We are not here just to hear preaching. But there's a purpose down inside of us. There is something God intends for you to be in the kingdom of God. Amen. And we're here at the precipice of starting into another year from already being kicked off with score 2001. And so there is not just half-heartedly that we're here. We're not here just by casual things. We're not here just because uh, we have no place else to go. But a way back. I'm telling you, did you didn't come in here by accident. You didn't come in here by a mistake. It's, it's God ordained that you're here. And I really feel to do with this scripture for a few moments, brother. Fifth chapter, or fifth verse. God has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Away before the foundation of the world, He predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. I am not an afterthought of God. You are not an afterthought of God. This church was not started to be an afterthought of God. But there was a purpose that God had. He had a purpose that we would be adopted. Praise God. And I don't have time to go into the depth of that right now. But Paul here, I begin to study. He was talking about adoption. And when he talked about adoption, he was talking about people that had means that adopted. At that day and that hour, they adopted full-grown adults. They were rich people who had nobody to take on their air. They had nobody to fill their bill. And so they looked for somebody that was qualified to adopt. That they could change their name. That they could carry their character on. That they could carry their name on. And he made this statement. He said, I want to tell you something. You have been adopted. He didn't choose me. Or I didn't choose him. But he chose me. Before the foundation of the world, he chose me. I am not here by a mistake. You are not here by mistake. There is a work for you to do. We have in the areas, churches, and places that have God's name placed on it that are destiny fulfilled. There is a divine destiny in this place. There is a divine destiny in you. You can sit here and not be ministers or you can minister to whoever you can minister to. The job is too great for one man to do. 
somehow I got to realize my purpose is more than just fill a pew. I have been adopted to take something farther than where we are. And so he said, I'm going to get you. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. My God, i got to hit the pulpit once in a while. I want to tell you something. He picked you knowing your weaknesses. He picked you knowing your failures. He picked you knowing your hang-ups. And he still said, I want you. And he chose me. And so I'm here on his hands. I want you to know it was not a rescue mission when he picked me up. It was not a have-to when he picked me up. But he chose me. That I may have a relationship with him. A little bit farther, brother. To himself. To himself. According to the good pleasure. According to the good pleasure of his will. Okay, that's good. According to the good pleasure of His will. And I'm putting the positive in here. They teach us that it's the positive, the negative, and the positive. Now I want to tell you something. He chose me according to, let's say according to, the pleasure. Let's say pleasure. I want you to know before the foundation of the world. Grampy Bass, He knew who you was and what your name was. And he said, every time away back there, he said, what I think of J.T. Bass, I get excited about it. He chose me according to the good pleasure of his will. And when he chose you, he was excited about it. He didn't choose you because he had to. He chose you because he wanted you. When I get somebody to do something for me, it's the attitude they do it in. And I want to compliment you and the church family for the attitude that you took care of the SCORE conference in. Amen. That's just just food for thought right now. But it's the attitude that they do it in. If they do it because they have to, I'm not that happy about it. Nine chance out of ten, I want to ask them to do it again. But if they say, yes, I'd be glad to. Is there anything else I can do? That turns me on, brother. I say, hey, he's got a good attitude. I want you to know when God chose me, he had a good attitude about it. He said, it's my pleasure to get you and bring you into this thing. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hallelujah. And so, uh, the Bible... The Bible says that uh, he chose a man after his own heart. And uh, the most unique in quality of David was that he was a man that made room in his life for God to put men there to impact him. Any man who is going to be effective in our world today has to be open and open his life for people. I already mentioned it, not friends. We've got friends. But we've got to open our lives for people that God will put there that could move us and escort us to a place where we need to be. Praise God. No man is able from his character, his life, his dimension, and everything that he has to be able to make what he needs to be by himself. I need a guide. I need inspiration. I need direction. You will never be what you need to be just by getting Bible knowledge. There are people that God uses to impact our lives, to feed into us certain things that help us be a balance. We should not only have friends that duplicate ourselves. We do not need to duplicate our ministries. We need to shape it to the impacting of the move of the Spirit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hallelujah. And so it's not my friends that we are dealing with today. Praise God. David's life never began. Hallelujah. When he killed a giant. It never began when he killed a bear. It never began when he killed a lion. It began when the old prophet walked up to him and took a horn of oil and began to pour it on his head. If there hadn't been a man in his life, he never would have been what he needed to be. Killing a giant didn't do it. Killing a bear didn't do it. But it was a man of God. And so he knew he must leave room. And there was room for Samuel. There was room for Abimelech. There was room for Jonathan in his life. 
Amen. Anybody that could be used of God could step into his life. Oh, God. And impact his life. Amen. 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 I'm going to tell you something. If you don't, if you don't get anything out of this today, I'm reminding myself. I want you to know we are a product of what is placed in our minds. My God. Hallelujah. Our world gets small and we get insecure. Listen to me carefully. If you cannot put men in your life. Come on. Preach on. Preach on. Preach on. Preach on. At the end of Saul's life, who did he have left? A dead preacher and a witch. Your world gets small when you don't let men affect your life. When there's such insecurity that you cannot be bumped a little bit, your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Hallelujah. <laughs> Today, when David sang about mercy, he sang about mercy. His mercy endureth forever. But there came a day when he needed it. And there was a man that came by. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm clumsy with this thing. If David had have shut that man out, he would have been a dead, would have had a dead kingdom. He would have never known. He said, cast me not away from your presence. Saul didn't have any room for a man to touch him. Samuel was the first to go. Hallelujah. And then a, a priest comes. All right. Amen. Samuel was the first to go. And then a priest comes and he said, All of you work together against me. You know about the priest when he gave David the sword. All of this works against me. Let me just tell you something. He saved... Oh no, 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 no. I'm going ahead of my story. Okay. <laughs> he came down to the end of his life. That's what I want to say. And that's all he had left. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Oh, to sit at a table. With a few men, Brother Bass. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we do call, we make them worth their calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we sit down to talk, you know, and I'm just, I shouldn't get onto this today, but anyway, the, the character trait that I appreciate about Brother Bass is he don't make me take all of his enemies, and I don't make him take all of my enemies. I hope I don't have any, but you understand what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Personality clashes or whatever, and there's... And I know he feels the same way, so I can bear my heart. There is no insecurities in that. Right, 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 right. And and how can we help one another if we don't give one another that kind of liberty? Go ahead. But to sit down with men and share insights and receive experiences that they had as God led them, that's valuable to me. Another quality David had is in Second Samuel eight, one and two. What's it say, brother? 2 Samuel 1, or 8, 1 and 2. It talks about another characteristics of David. To be a godly man, number one, you've got to have a man in your life. Right, right. Or, let me repeat it, you've got to have men in your life. Yeah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. I watched in the services while we had it at score. And I watched somebody, I brought some boys with me and I'd owed them a favor and and owed their dads a favor and I was going to take their dad for a trip and they said no take my boys with me and another boy he was a, a quiz uh, team head guy and I promised him a trip so we brought them with us I noticed a weakness in one of my boys that I've been a little concerned about and brother Bash you know and I know you have church we have church we preach and we preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost blah, all, all that stuff goes on and I said well why do you need anybody else to preach and I watched as God moved on that young man I know his character weakness I'm not throwing him out I know it. I'm concerned. I'm praying about him. But I watched the last night as Brother White preached. And I watched him as he buckled. And I watched the expression on his face. And you know what? I want to tell you something. That if he can conquer that weakness in him over that message, that was worth me bringing it down, him down here for that. All right. All right. How much is a soul worth anyhow? Hallelujah. 
And, and, and for me to become jealous over the fact that somebody else reached him, I'd be a fool. Yeah, right. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they can say the same thing the same way. Yeah. But there's something about it. That the, the atmosphere is right. The timing is right. Yeah. The situation is right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know how it is half the time. I just know we're fumbling through this line trying to find answers. I do know one thing. Joseph talked to them about bowed sheaves. But that wasn't the right time. Right. And there came a time when they come to him. And he said, I am Joseph, thy brother. And they didn't have any problem bowing down. And they didn't have any problem with the revelation of it. If he could have just waited until All right. the right time. All right. All right. All right. Hallelujah. What's it say, Brother Bass? And, they, and after this, it came to pass. Yes. That David smote the Philistines. He smote the Philistines. And subdued them. And subdued them. The line. He had fought these folks before. Yeah. yeah. He had watched these boys fight before. Right. He knew that some of them, their natures could be changed to be men of warrior. All they had to do was change loyalties yeah. Yeah. from one king to another. And he drew a line. And what did he say? Casting them down to the ground. Casting them down to the ground. Even with two lines measured he, he to put to death. Two lines he measured them to put to death. And with one full line to keep alive. And with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites. And so the Moabites. Became David's servants. Became David's servants. Who brought gifts. Thank you. Let me just tell you a little story. The second attribute of David was he knew what to kill and he knew what to let live. I tell you, first of all, men have got to affect your life. And then number two, you've got to know what to kill and you've got to know what to let live. There's some things you've got to kill and there's other things you've got to let live. If I can know what to let live and if I can know what to kill, I want to tell you something. There's some things I've got to make live. I've got to worship Him if nobody else worships Him. I've got to get a hold of Him if nobody else gets a hold of Him. I've got to make it live. Not only let it live, but I gotta make it live. There's some things you gotta kill. You can't let it live. If it lives, it'll kill you. If it lives, it'll get you. If it lives, it'll get the upper hand of you. It may take a few days, but eventually it'll get you if you let it live. There's attitudes that if you let live, it'll get you. There's spirits that if you let it live, it'll get you. Every once in a while, oh yes. i got to take Dana McKillop by the scuff of the neck and say, come on down to the altar, McKillop. There's some things you got to kill. Some things you got to kill. Because if I let it live, it'll get me. If I don't kill it, it'll kill me. David, you got to have a man that can talk to you. And you got to know what to let live. And what to kill. If he says kill Hagag, you better kill him. Saul says, I'll let this one live. It's all right, you let it live. But it'll get you. It's not us we're worried about. It's you. If you let it live. Hallelujah. I'm in a I'm I'm here two thousand miles from home, so I can just be I just tell stories down here. I got a man that's taking me to court, suing me for defamation of character. And uh, it's looking worse for him all along. 
And but he had some problems. And when confronted, he cried after a while and said, just let me sit with my family. He had a chance to kill it right there. Hear it, hear it. And today, he looks like he's going to lose his family. He's going to lose his money. And the devil tricked him into suing me, so he's going to lose everything he's got. i got insurance to cover it, but I, I don't even think it's going to go that far. It don't look like it is. He's going to lose everything he's got, but there was a day when he could have killed it. But today, he's gone so far. It's killing him. He's going to hang on the gallows. And instead of him coming in, which he thought he was going to do, and sway 400 people, he could not. He came to the discovery, and the lawyer asked him at the discovery, said, how many people have, have you talked to from this assembly that have made the statement that you're dishonest? I made the statement that you're dishonest, so he sued me for that. He said, how many people has Reverend McKillop made this statement to? He said, well, I'd rather not say. The lawyer said, you've got to say. He named his own son. And named my son, which he never heard or didn't know. But he figured that's where he got it from. And he said, is there anybody else? No. He made 72 phone calls the Saturday before. And the devil tricked him in that there was a whole bunch of people that was, that was tired of dictatorship and standards of holiness and the way we run church and couldn't get a sympathetic ear nowhere and it has drove our church together as a unit that I've never saw in my life before hallelujah 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 I am telling you hallelujah hallelujah Joab says Joab says Kill him! Yeah. And David says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I know my flesh would like to do it. I'd run it like a dog that's hunting a rabbit. But I, I can't do it because he was God's anointed and I'm in a cave and I got him in my hands. But there's one thing I've learned. There's some things I've got to let live and there's some things I've got to kill. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. I know what to kill. He brought back Agag. Alive. I want to bring something out here real quickly. Man, how long have I been already? This is a fight. It's a fighting man's religion. <laughs> you say, well, I don't, I'd rather not. You can, be, you can be nonchalant if you want to, but it's a fight. There's a war going on. To live for God today, it takes courage. It takes courage to kill some things. It takes courage to kill some things sometimes in your families. Oh, Jesus. No, no, no. Some things in your life have to die. It doesn't have to be discovered. Don't wait until somebody catches you and just tend to it then. It ought to die before they get to you. My God. There's only two places in the Bible where they came to themselves. One that I can find. One was when Peter was pulled out of prison. And he thought it was a vision or a dream. And he got out in the fresh air. And he said, and Peter came to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, I hope we came to ourselves at this meeting. Oh, yeah. I hope that I could. Woo! Yes! There is something I need to make. Yes, yes. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah, it sure was. Some things I need to make adjustments in. <laughs> there are some things that I need to climb higher on. We are, we are rising from one paradigm to another paradigm. We can't sit here and just maintain. There is another reach, brother. He is, he is pulling you to another dimension in God. Not just to sit here and be happy and satisfied. And when the feeling is all gone, you've got to go back to the revelation and say, I don't care, this is what he said. And I believe we've got to do it. There's a fight to do it. The kingdom of God is beautiful. The Bible says it's beautiful. And every man presseth, let's say presseth. Presseth into it you don't get into the kingdom by just sitting still 
If you're going to get into the kingdom, it's not pressing into it. There's some things I've got to kill and there's some things I've got to let live. Hallelujah. You've got to make them live. I'm going to worship tonight. I don't feel like it. I don't dare go with my feelings. I don't dare go by my feelings. I just don't dare. I don't dare. Hallelujah. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I was telling our church the other day, you know, girls and women run by their heart and us men run by facts. That's why there's a difference in us. Thank God there is a difference in us. And a lot of times women are more responsive. You men listening to me? Oh God. I did open the door there, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to tell you a little story. Sister Bass, when you walk down through the mall and you're walking by Wade Bass and you're walking down through the mall shopping and if you do it in Quebec, I don't know about land, probably there too. But in Quebec City, you ever been there, Brother Bass? Quebec City, you let these ladies run down there with their long, neat hair and long dresses and godly apparel, especially if it's summertime and you get folks to turn around and look. There is, there is a reproach that our ladies have to carry. We can fairly well fit almost any hairstyle will pass. Almost any style of clothes for us men will pass. Our standards of holiness is... The Bible in that word says in modest apparel and not be arrayed in gold and silver and all of this. It comes right on down, 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 down. And he said, let them keep silent in church. Now, Grampy Bass, you're a theologian. Keep me balanced, okay? In other words, if I understand it properly, the dress that you wear, Grampy Bass, is a submission. It's a sign of submission. This is very important that you recognize we're dressing not just to be odd. It's a sign of submission. Dress, meet quiet spirit, keep in subjection. Is that not what I said? All about, that's all in there. Just take my word for it today. Because I'm not going by my nose. You told me to shoot all over the tree, so that's what I'm doing, praise God. I'm trying to catch every partridge I can, praise the Lord. And submission is pretty important to me. Because when the devil comes by, he said, submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So submission is a very important thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And so our dress codes and all of that is a sign of submission. Does that make any sense? Okay. Now, I don't want to dare go the other route or not. In that same chapter, all you men, can you handle this now? In that same chapter, he tells you and I, I will, quote it, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What do you mean? Well, I lifted them up last Sunday and my answer's not here. Don't doubt about it. Come back again here. Why do you want to do that for? Let him know. But I don't question whether he can do it or not. I'm lifting up holy hands. And if you don't answer me today, God, I'll be back Wednesday night. And I'm going to lift them same hands. Baby, did I tell my church this? Okay. That's a mouth of two or three witnesses. I said, until us men's worship becomes as odd to the world as our women's dress becomes odd to the world then we have not really truly worshipped him we expect our wives to dress godly bless God but yet we come in here and say well I don't feel like lifting my hands today maybe that's the reason you're having problems with minds and games and feelings and lusts of the flesh and all the rest of it because you haven't submitted yourself to God so you can resist the devil
So what are you going to do? I'm going to just get a loop legged as I can. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want him to know. Rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. And again I say rejoice. I want to give my place, my people to the place where they don't rejoice in the circumstance. Because they'll go up. Hey, 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 let me tell you something. Most people backslide in two areas. You listen to me real carefully. They get so spiritual they can't listen to the preacher. Or they get so discouraged they can't they just throw up their hands. There's two points that they, they go out on. And when they come in new converts, I got them now. <laughs> and, ooh. and and they're riding on the church. They're not that. They're brand new. We're, we're teaching them. Hallelujah. Amen. They're finding out. They can testify even when it's a tough week. Praise the Lord. Amen. And the quicker you can learn to rejoice in somebody that doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not praising Him because everything's right. I'm praising Him because He's right. Hallelujah. And if it goes up, I praise Him. And if it goes down, I praise Him. And I won't get so high, I can't listen to. And I won't get so low, I get discouraged. I gotta learn to have a maturity. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't even know where I'm at. Praise God. I gotta rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Sometimes we get more help with help with the weeping than we do with the rejoicing. He's, got, he's able to keep that which I've committed. Get it in your mind. If something happens to you, He allows it to happen. Don't ever think that he's run, this is running. Think something's got to be killed. Oh, we're living in a day when there's a constant assault against... You have to decide what to kill and what to let live. The grandson of Esau was Agag. And Saul saved the thing that God hated. Agog, Agag, you listen to this carefully, was flesh. The flesh. Alright? And when he spared the flesh... When he spared the flesh, hey, listen to me carefully. When he spared the flesh, then he was cut off from God. All right? When you pamper the flesh, you cut God off. I'm, I'm really headed somewhere. This prayer probably too. My God, we've heard so much preaching. What? All right? Spare the flesh, and you lose God. Right? Right. And then. Then came by, oh mercy, I got to hurry, but then came by the first separated from God. Then, Doeg was it? That was there keeping his sheep, well, that, that, that how it's pronounced, Brother Bass? Okay, he was keeping the sheep and he was looking things over. And he just happened to see David get a, get a sword from the priest. Yeah, yeah. And Doeg was a sign of flesh. First, your flesh will cut you off from God. And then he said, we've got to kill him. He's conspiring against me. And if you've got an imagination, you don't need an enemy. You really don't. If you've got an imagination, you don't need an enemy. And he told the soldiers, said, kill the priest. And they said, no way. Yeah. Not touching that, Bob. Doeg says, no problem. My God. I'll kill him. First to cut you off from God. Mm. Then it cuts you off from the preacher. And the third thing is, he cuts your own life off. When the Amalekite come, he said, what is this? I said, it's a flesh again coming back flesh coming back again so well I saw him he was wounded he was almost gone so I took his life I'll tell you something you don't do what God says it'll cut you off from God you don't listen to the ministry 
it'll cut you off of the ministry. And you don't listen. Or you don't pay attention to that. And eventually, it'll cut your own life off. And you'll end up. I want to know what to kill. And I want to know what to let live. It separates you from God, the ministry, and finally your own life. You can have to take appetites, jealousies, rebellions, anti-prayer, worship, revival, submission, and kill it. And designed to destroy you. Hmm. David knew the bear should die. The lion should die. Goliath should die. Made one slip up and almost fixed him. It is my flesh that doesn't want to worship and believe. I'm going to get rid of the flesh. I want to know my source of strength. I want to know where it lies. I'm going to tie all this together now. I'll just tell you one thing. The Bible says there was a rich man fared sumptuously every day. I just throw this in. Fared sumptuously every day. Had everything that went on. This poor man Lazarus laid at his gate full of sores and ate the crumbs from the fell from the rich man's table. This will preach, but I'm not gonna do that. Rich man died and was carried. No, I'm sorry. The rich man died and was buried. The poor man died and was carried. (laughs) If I die, I hope they just don't bury me. I hope the angels come by and carry me. And the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He said, oh, you know the story. When he got all done, he said, well, i got one prayer request. i got one prayer request. Would you at least send somebody back to tell my brothers, don't take a vacation here. And the clear voice came back and said, Mm-mm. They're just like you were. They're beyond the reach of the ministry. They have Moses and the prophets. Can I just be real honest with you? Brother Bass, I'd be terrified if I wasn't right with God and came through this whole conference. Right. And came through and slipped into this church today. I don't even know, but slipped into this church today. And I had made some real, real down-to-earth commitments. Right, right. Yeah. I was telling our church the other day. I won't close this. <clears throat> but you got to have a made-up mind. The battle's here. Computers. I don't know a whole lot about them, but they say it's G-I-G-O. Oh, garbage in, garbage out. If you put garbage into them, all you'll get out of them is garbage. Your thinking, Grampy Bass, creates feelings. Then that slips into emotions. Then emotions go to actions, or go to words, and words go to actions. The devil is the divine suggester. Not the divine suggester, but he is a suggester. He puts thoughts, feelings, emotions, flips into words, and ends up in actions. God comes by, and... He has the same suggestions. He puts thoughts, 
feelings, better get emotions, and actions. You become what you put in here. All right. All right. That's why you have to be careful what you put in here. I have got to take what I put in here to this. This is the judge. It is the discerner between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I was telling my church, there is, there is something powerful about the divine will, or about the will in your life. There is something powerful about the will in your life. And I'm closing with this, I promise you on this one. You have a power in your will that you do not sometimes realize what is there. My wife was a little girl and her daddy asked her, why did you do that? She said, the devil made me do it. I want to stop to tell you this. The devil cannot make you do anything. God will not cause you to be lost or saved. He, listen to me carefully, chooses to allow you to choose. I want to get this across just in closing. Over all of this that I'm saying today and what you've heard this week. He's allowing you to make the choice over what you heard. Neither will he let the devil do to you what he won't do himself. Right, right. Yeah. Am I right, Grabby Bass? Go ahead. In other words, he has chosen to let your will be powerful enough that you can accept it or you can reject it. He is not giving the devil any more power than he has himself. He wants you to be a free moral agent. He will not let the devil force you to make a decision in his direction. He can put suggestions in your mind, but he cannot force you in the wrong direction. We've given him too much credit. What hit me, Brother Bass, was I was sitting at my dining room table, and it hit me, I jumped out of the table. I looked at my wife, I said, My God, when, when Jesus' feet hit the shores, and the demoniac of Gadara come over there with two thousand devils don't tell me the devil didn't say go ahead and praise him he hadn't been delivered he still was a demoniac of Gadara I want to tell you something I want to tell you something if, if you have a, somebody come in here possessed of the devil in here and it don't work and you can pray the name of Jesus over it all you want to pray and it don't work can I tell you why it don't work I'm going to tell you I'm going to give you the secret if they don't want deliverance it's, they're not, it's not going to work they have got to want deliverance. The devil's not leaving somebody that wants them. You know, had a guy come in there. Was you there that Sunday? The guy came in there with a cat and, and, and a dog and, 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 and all this black stuff that Sunday morning. Yeah, you were there. And man, they was praying with him and they, uh, power was in that place. There was enough power to cast every devil out of Victoria County. Hallelujah. And they left some of the boys come to me. I said, if they don't want deliverance, there is no way that they'll be delivered. Hallelujah. I am telling you the power of the will is great. You say, what are you saying, Brother McKellar? If you make up your mind, you want to serve God, there's not enough devils in hell to stop you from serving God. When you say, I'm going to praise Him, 2,000 devils inside of you can't stop you from coming down there and praising God. Hallelujah. I got a young fellow there raising Pentecost backs and having a problem getting rid of cigarettes. I go by the house, he stays with his grandmother and I see the window open where he's blowing smoke out the window and he's talked to me about it. I'm going to tell you a little story. He's got to reach having these promises, dearly beloved. Let us, not the Holy Ghost, us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. He's got to reach in there, pull them out and throw them away and say, if I die, I'm going to stay. And God will step right in there and say, no problem, I'll take the desire from you. But until he does that, he'll never get rid of it. Hallelujah. I am telling you, you're sitting, 
What do you say in that verb, Brother McCuffey? You after anybody? No. I'm just glad that my destiny is not determined by the devil. He can't stop me from going to heaven. He can't put enough things in my way to keep me from going to heaven. If I make up my mind I want to go, I'm going to go. It's my will that I want to be saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's my will. And if I get my will right, I can do it. A new boy came in there. Met a man, a prince of a guy. His wife's Sister Gail Goodine. Don't you remember her? Husband's not saved. Never put a stumbling block. Paid tithes on his money. Loves me and I love him. I said, Gerald, you used to smoke. He's having problems with lungs. He said, yeah, I should have quit in 1984. I said, Gerald, you ever any problem with it? He said, yeah. He said, to this day, if I get overtired, I'll reach for a cigarette. 17 years. And a little boy, a little man in there, didn't even got the Holy Ghost yet. Came, smoked all his life, and sits there in the front seat and loved God. Little baby was run over and by a truck that he was working on, slipped ahead and ran over his little baby. Brains was smashed out, and his mom was a nurse and pulled it underneath her knees and held him while the coroner came for two hours. And they came into church and gave their heart to God. Went to church one day and threw the cigarettes away and said, In Jesus' name, I'll never smoke them again. And every desire is gone. He's not going to say, Lazarus, come forth until you roll the stone back.